The full soldier story is so important because back then, I think the feeling that Native people were um, savages, they were evil, they were uh, everything negative was was thought about them, and and they really weren't. The captives were rescued and returned to their families. But what happened to the Foo soldiers? When they rescued those captives and turned them loose in uh, Fort Pier, half of them were put in prison or in a guardhouse and killed. The Foo soldiers were, uh, as far as we can tell, put into an open stockade in that bitter early winter weather. And there is uh, strong evidence that two of them died. As from the army, the Foo soldiers had permission to go home. The army gave my grandpa the right to travel all over his own country. We got that letter in it and it makes us laugh. This is our land and here comes these white guys all of a sudden handing out papers uh, telling these guys we can travel on our own land. <laughs> The fool soldiers also had a hard time of it. When they returned to their own people, they were basically shunned. Why were they called fools? They sound like heroes to us. They were all seen as, in some manner as you know, helping the other side. In the 1860s, when they were putting Native people on reservations, um, there was a lot of conflict and a lot of ill feelings, a lot of bad things happening. and. Um, here these Lakota, Teton Lakota young boys decide to do something good and, and um, their own people just scoffed at them. When uh, the troubles continued uh, into the 1870s, 1880s, uh, between the whites and the Indians, uh, the fool soldiers remained calm, remained as a calming influence uh, in their communities, um, discouraged people from engaging in ghost dance. They encouraged working with the whites, befriending the whites, and living peacefully. This is um, Strikes Fire, Mad Bear, uh, Swift Bird, Walter Swift Bird, Martin Charger, and Four Bear. The story doesn't end with their original Foo soldiers. It lives on through their descendants. The Brotherhood of Christian Unity, which uh, I think uh, covered several religious uh, groups, you know, Episcopalian congregation, took all of our rules and re everything and adopted them as their own. And I was surprised when uh, Vine Deloria asked me to join the Pure Chapter, and he said, here's our preamble and everything. Well, I said, this is the Fool Soldiers. He said, we adopted everything that the Fool Soldiers lived by which was compassion, respect, and responsibility and accountability. But then they weren't just Indian, they were all human beings, you see. Harry, being a spiritual leader now for our people, has cultivated a full soldier society. When I wear that baseball cap with full soldiers on him, and his planes and Eagle Butte makes them, see, but he won't sell them to nobody except to me. If they want to buy one, you got to ask Harry. And then these young people asked me, could I wear one of them? I said, you bet you. I'll be proud to have you one, except you can't do drugs. You can't do the drinking part. You got to be respectful of your parents, your teachers, your elders, your, you know, everything. And you got to respect women. 
It's one guy saying, "Can that leaves me out?" <laughs> he was honest anyway in that, in that sense. You know what I mean? So I thought, well, maybe one day if you do, if you feel different, come come about. You know what I mean? And even some young guys asked us that. Said, "Well, it's that," you know. And so, and there was two track men here. They were very interested. I said, "Come along. You don't have to have Asian gangs." white gangs or black gangs, we have our own. But we don't do what the other three do. We stand tall and proud because, hey, we do things for people. We don't make them do things, but we do things for people. Lung Fu soldiers help out during the sun dances and other ceremonies. We're the old ones and the younger ones are taking that over, just like Charger and them guys did at that time, see, you know. So, and they do a good job. They'll make a nuisance of themselves, they're helpful. They, uh, one lady was packing up and she said, she had a big camp and said, did I see you're all packed up? Yes, she said, the fool soldiers came and helped me pack. <laughs> yeah, I said, well, good.
the Fool Soldiers. This is from the usdakotawar.org. I'm going to read a few articles so you get a well-rounded idea of what happened with the Fool Soldiers. On August 20th, 1862, Dakota warriors attacked a group of settler families fleeing from a small community near Lake Chetek. And when the fighting was over, eight adults and six children from Lake Chetek were dead, as well as several Dakota soldiers. Three women and eight children were taken captive by Dakota men. The captives were taken north and west into Dakota territory, where they were split up among several Dakota families with whom they traveled for months. On November 20th, the captives were released to a group of young Lakota men known as the Fool Soldiers, who had formed two years ago earlier with a pledge to follow a path of nonviolence. The Fool Soldiers traded their own horses, blankets, food, and weapons for the captives, left with two rifles, a teepee, some blankets, and a horse. The Fool Soldiers and the captives began an arduous journey that ended up at Fort Randall, a U.S. military post on the Missouri River. The full soldiers were in prison once they reached the fort. Before they were released months later, several had died, and the captives lived with shatter lives were shattered. Laura Dooley, who had lost two sons in the ordeal, returned to Minnesota with her daughters. She was reunited with her husband, William, and the family moved to Alabama and eventually to Washington. Julia Wright, who was raped during her captivity, was pregnant when she returned to Minnesota. She was abandoned by her husband after giving birth. The remaining children, Lily Everett, Roseanne Ireland, and Ellen Ireland, had lost their mothers in the fighting. They were re reunited with their fathers after their release. So that's one article to give you an idea about the Fool Soldiers. And then I wanted to read two other ones from different accounts or perspectives. This one is The Wisdom of the Fool Soldiers, and it was in the South Dakota Magazine by Michael Zimney. And he wrote it on February 6, 2019. In the winter of 1862, 10 Lakota warriors risked their lives and reputations for a novel concept. The rights of civilians during wartime, people called them the fool soldiers because at a time when being indigenous made them targets, they staked a claim for militant humanism, even if it meant alienating some of their own. If they'd expected medals or accolades, the appellation may have proved apt, but the available evidence, the mostly forgotten stories told by descendants and historians indicates another motive. They just wanted to do good. The Fool Soldier's leader was a man named Charger, later angelicized as Martin Charger, who was said to have proven himself in war, but who strove for peace, first in intertribal conflicts, and then between Dakota and Lakota and Euro-American rivals. According to Samuel Charger's biography of his father in 1860, a young man named Kills and Comes Back receives a vision and approached Charger to discuss its meaning. The dream as related by Samuel Charger seems abbreviated, more like a postscript. He wrote that kills and comes back had seen 10 stags in his dream, all black, and as he advanced toward them, 
one in the lead spoke to him, it said, This vision is to be fulfilled by you and to be compiled with you by all who are members. You and every member is to be respected and feared, and you must be united in your undertakings. As the dreamer looked closer, he said he identified himself as the one who was speaking. What did the black stag who was killed and come back shown, show himself? Charger held a council to divine its meeting. Kill's game afterward interpreted it to mean that the members should be ten in number and that to be respected by the tribe they should be generous not only with food but with their property. Charger agreed as well as did all the others. The following night the young men shared the dream with Charging Dog, a man of the same character of Kill's game, also a medicine man of fame throughout the tribe. Charging Dog reaffirmed the other's interpretation. As a medicine man, I do not always get riches, but the good I do, my fellow tribesmen, is something to strive for. We may be brave in battle, but as everyone knows, we do not live long, and to each other, harm in our camp is very bad. I have seen a lot of it during my life, and I believe the hardest thing for anybody to do is to do good to others, but it makes their hearts rejoice. So they organized a society based on those principles, and in August of 1862, Dakota people at Upper and Low Sioux Agency of Minnesota were brought to the brink of starvation. They'd been hit by famine and the nudities the governor owed them were late. When agency store owner Andrew Myrick was reputed to say, if they are hungry, let them eat grass or their own dung, Myrick was killed on the first day of the Dakota War. You know how the lives blur if you've been there and what happens next. Civilians killed reprisals that kill more innocents. That's how it was going on August 20th when a band led by White Lodge attacked the tiny settlement of Lake Chetek near present-day Curry, Minnesota, killing 15 settlers and taking eight captives, two women and six children. When news traveled to Charger and the Fool Soldiers that White Lodge and his band were, in, were camped and with their captives on the west side of the Missouri, they saw an opportunity to live their commitment to the vision. They left their camp near Fort Pierre, traded horses and pelts for the food they could offer as ransom and set out for White Lodge's camp. As they crossed the river, people were said to implore them not to go. They thought the boys, as they called them, would not come back alive, wrote Samuel Charger, and the undertaking was foolish, but Charger told the crowd, there is only one life and that is short, hence we should do what we think is good. According to the South Dakota historian, Doan Robinson, the band included Charger, Kills and Comes, Forebear, Mad Bear, Pretty Bear, Sitting Bear, Swift Bird, One Rib, Strikes Fire, Red Dog, and Charging Dog. Along the way, they encountered a Yankatanas camp where they were told the White Lodge's band was camped near present-day Mobridge. As the stories tell it, White Lodge did not warmly welcome the full soldiers. Negotiations were tense and could easily have degenerated into shooting. In the end, White Lodge's son, Black Hawk, agreed with the full soldiers and helped them secure the hostages, the two women and five children, one child had died and they weren't victorious yet. They had to trade all their horses and provisions and had a hundred mile journey ahead through blizzard conditions with a group of ragged, hungry children. As they started back, they received some help from Don't Know How, a Yanktonis man who may have traveled with them to White Lodge's camp or met them coming and going. He furnished them with one horse and helped them fashion a travoy to carry the children. Don't Know How was the paternal grand 
grandfather of the great Dakota artist Oscar Howe, who depicted the full soldier's rescue of the late Shatek captives in one of his mural at the Sure Howe Arena in Mobridge. And that is this picture right here that you're seeing. Don't know how's kindness helped, but the fool soldiers still had to complete a journey akin to Washington's crossing of the Delaware to make it home. Seeing that Laura Dooley, one of the two adult female captives, was barefoot, Charger is said to give him, have given her his moccasins, wrapping his own feet in old clothes. The group camped only twice, walking through the third night, arriving the next morning at the river where several traders helped them with it make a treacherous ford of the river, which wasn't wholly covered with ice. From there, a trader named Charles Primo housed the freed captives until the U.S. Army returned them to their relatives. A monument recognizing the fool soldier stands in Mobridge City Park. Then the fool soldier's story faded into obscurity. They had set out to do good and succeeded. If they had harbored any less selfless motives, they have failed. Fool soldier Joseph Forbear didn't benefit from his actions, said his great-granddaughter Marcella Lobo. He signed the peace treaty, Treaty of Fort Laramie, 1868, and he had to live on the northeast corner of our reservation and not leave. If he had left, he'd have to have signed a permit to come and go. Otherwise, he would have been shot as a hostile. They gave him land allotments on the reservation. That was already our land. That was treaty land. What kinds of sense is that, to give back his own land to him? He had to live there. And he had to live by that peace treaty, so he didn't dance Indian. He didn't follow his own ways. He didn't hunt for his people and provide for them like he did in the past. So my thought is, if you can't be who you are, then who are you? So he lived out his life like that. Were the fool soldiers misguided at helping the captives? I believe they did a good deed, LeBeau says. Joseph Forbear did receive a token of posthumous gratitude on his tombstone tombstone, a white marble tombstone, it said something about, he was a friend of the white man for over 70 some years, Lebeau says, and I know that his own people didn't have the funds to do that. There is also a modest quartzite marker in Mobridge, which you're seeing right here. It says the Shattuck captives rescued here in November 1862 by full soldier band. In 1996, Paul Carpenter, a descendant of one of the rescued captives, brought gifts to the descendants of the fool soldiers and honored them in a ceremony. There was standing room only in that building, LeBeau says. People lined Main Street and reenacted scenes from the rescue. Martin Charger give, giving Laura Dooley his moccasins, wrapping his feet in rakes, the children transported by travois, pulled by their single horse. The tribute, 134 years after the event, raised some awareness momentarily. I think in school they should learn about it, LeBeau says, but I don't think that's happening. I know when I went to boarding school, we didn't learn anything. The full soldiers were revolutionaries. While their own people were steadily losing their land and way of life, they took a stand for people who looked like the enemy. 87 years before the Fourth Geneva Convention codified civilian wartime rights, including a prohibition on taking civilian hostages into international law. The reasons they haven't been recognized probably range from the obvious. They were Native American to the thornier issue of their acceptance within their own group. Their own people, some of them were against them, Lebeau says. The fool soldiers may be perceived by some as cap capitulators and any recognition of them may in kind be seen as an exclusive endorsement of their responses, response to the times in which they lived, like the epitaph on Forebear's tombstone. 
Their act, though, is not a negation of the survival strategies of warriors like Crazy Horse or Sitting Bull. Rather, it was the antithesis of Custer's attack on civilian camps or the massacre of disarmed non-combatants at Wounded Knee. The fool soldiers have been called pacifists, but Samuel Charger's biography of his father depicts them not as pacifists, but warriors, warriors turned militant humanists. Martin Charger and his men are the moral forebears of Hugh Thompson and the American girls who stopped the massacre at My Lai and others like them. Decades later, Thompson and his men got their medals. On March 16, 1968, they didn't know if they would make it out alive. That's how it's always going to be for a fool soldier. The conventioners can call for Twister as a means of conflict resolution if they want. Wartime ethics live or die on the barrel side of the White Lodge's or William Kelly's guns. What the nation's codified as Lac Le Mans. The fool soldiers lived on in the mine no sauce, their greater monuments to lesser men. And then there was one other article I wanted to read. And it is from Native American History. Magicalchildhood.com is the website. Native American History, learn the story of the fool soldiers. One of the most moving events in American history has all been lost to our history books. The hero heroic journey of the fool soldiers to rescue a group of women and children during the Minnesota Uprising of 1862. The Minnesota Uprising, also referred to as the U.S.-Dakota War and the Great Sioux Uprising, took place in August of 1862. Patty E. DeCorey summarizes the events in the Fool Soldier Band. Miles to the east in Minnesota, the Santee were reaching their breaking point in August 6, 1862. They had suffered crop failures the previous year and hence nearly starved during the 1861-1862 winter, and now their annuity goods and cash were late. As they impatiently waited, they petitioned the traders for credit, which was denied, and provided one of the most famous quotes of these contentious days. Storekeeper Andrew J. Myrick said, if they are hungry, let them eat grass. He did not live to regret these words. The Minnesota Uprising of 1862 began innocently enough with some returning hunters, some broken eggs, and a dare. By nightfall on August 17th, five white settlers were dead, and the Indians were gathering to access their situation. Although several of the chiefs are said to have been against the uprising, the young braves could and did go counter their, to their wishes. Once the decision had been made, the chiefs, although reluctant, felt that they had to go along with their people. The events culminated in tragedy at a settlement on Lake Chetek. On August 20th, the uprising arrived at Lake Chetek in Murray County in southern Minnesota. The settlers unsuccessfully hid in a swamp, swamp later known as Slaughter Slough. After shooting at the moving grass for several hours, the Indians called out the women and children, offering them safety. By the next afternoon, Santee Chief White Lodge and his band were headed west with their eight captives, Mrs. Julia Wright, Mrs. Laura Dooley, and six children. In November, word of the captives reached a group of young Teton Lakota men. These men had formed a group based on nonviolence and helping all people, leading some others to mockingly call them the fool soldiers. The fool soldiers decided to make the journey to the Santee camp to negotiate a trade and rescue the hostages. Since they believed in nonviolence, they gathered and bought supplies like blankets, coffee, and sugar to offer in return for the women and children. 
The fool soldiers made the dangerous trek to the camp and spent three days negotiating for the release. And when they finally succeeded, they were left to journey back with only one horse. The others had been added to the trade in bitter cold and snow. They had very little clothing and few supplies for either themselves or their rescued captives. The fool soldiers carried the smallest children and put one injured woman on their only horse. One soldier gave his moccasins to the other women because she was barefoot. They were later able to trade a gun for a cart to put the children in, but it was too heavy for their horse to pull, so the fool soldiers took, themselves, took turns pulling it themselves. The journey was dangerous as they had to be on guard against those who considered them enemies from all sides of the conflict, including U.S. forces who might see them as kidnappers, and they were also battling brutal cold and ice. They succeeded, though, and returned the captives to Fort Randall. Following the rescue and a later rescue of starving Lakota on Medicine Creek, they were not greeted as heroes by either side of the conflict. When they arrived at Fort Randall, they were imprisoned by the U.S. until the end of the conflict, and it is believed that the two of them died while in the stockades. Once released, they were ridiculed and shunned by many in their tribe, and their log homes were whitewashed. They eventually relocated to other areas. Life was difficult for some of the rescued women and children after the rescue as well. The story is told in a DVD returned to Shatek, The Courage of the Fool Soldiers, through the voices of both the rescued captives and the young men who risked their lives to bring them home. It's difficult to find the video now. Our family has a copy that we purchased locally at a Lake Shatek State Park since we live near the site of the conflict. It can be ordered in Minnesota through interlibrary loan and may be available through libraries in other states as well. Be aware that be aware that parts in the beginning may be difficult for young or sensitive children. Barbara Britton has written up an excellent five-page discussion guide to go along with the DVD. The guide asks questions such as, why do you think a child is narrating the story? Why were White Lodge's people not welcomed in South Dakota? And what were and still are the four basic rules of the full soldier society? Respect, compassion, responsibility, and accountability. Unfortunately, I am no longer able to find this guide, study guide online. Please comment if you know a place to find it again. There are several Southern Minnesota sites you can visit with kids to accompany your studies of the Fool Soldiers. One is obviously Lake Shatek State Park, the original site of the settlers and captives and the site of one of the original cabins. A memorial also stands there for the men, women, and children who did not survive the attack. There is a monument at Slaughter Slough which you can learn more about here. And this article has links. Families can also visit Fool Soldier Band Monument in Mobridge, South Dakota, and the Minnesota Historic Society has quite a few books to learn about the U.S. Dakota of 1862. Harry Charger, a descendant of one of the original Fool Soldiers, talked about his family's history at the dedication of the Curry Monument. He talked to the crowd and said some Native Americans are still bitter that the full soldiers helped the settlers. Minnesota Public Radio reports his words. We're still being ridiculed to this day. We're being called traitors. We're being looked down upon a lot of times, said Charger. But we stand tall because, like I said, if you have compassion in here, there ain't no force in the entire universe that will beat you. A scholarship fund now exists for descendants of the full soldiers to attend college. The fund was created by the ancestors of both the Fool Soldiers and the families they helped rescue. And what eventually became of the Fool Soldiers? Those who survived continued their work, A.B. Welch wrote in the Welch Dakota Papers in 1924. 
Lewis and Clark in 1804 mentioned that they heard of a band of Sioux warriors whose solemn oath was that they would never turn back from any danger or give way to their enemies. In 1864, the band of full soldiers among the Tetons had but 13 or less members and a new member could not be elected until there was a vacancy and was much sought after. Some of the members of the famous soldiers society have been as follows. Juanita Charger, a grandson of Captain Lewis, not the Juanita of the Sisatons. This man died in 1900. His wife died at Devil's Lake in January 1916. Kills and comes, swift bird, four bears, mad bear, pretty bear, sitting bear, one rib, strikes fire, red dog, and charging dog. These men all achieved fame early in life. The descendants of these famous men of brave and spectacular deeds are living today on the Standing Rock. Form famed Dakota artist Oscar Howe's paternal grandfather, don't know, D.K. Howe, was also a member of the Fool Soldiers Rescue Party. Harry Charger, who worked tirelessly to carry on the positive messages and legacy of the Fool Soldiers, died in 2015. Thank you for listening. Oh, I have to watch this. Hemel, Tatanka, a witch up to Hexto. I know what he took your kill, or know what money that we say. Lena Oyatiki, Tahiki, Dagnish near to Stoas near to Wall of Hutaki. I shall not hit the key to Oshitigo, or know what money to appear to. Lena had a wang what she get in a Nikagaki hate. Dagnish ni hate a cocky hate. Dagnish ni hate. Lena oyate hate to keep dia your hair a kirky hate. Lena oshikaki hate to Lena. Lena kiwaki hate to Miss A. Eat archer hate. Today, I want to share this uh, life with you, all of you. It's all about you, not me. You know, the in, the, in between uh, both these nations, the the Sioux Nation, Wolakota, Dakota, and Dakota, over here, and on this side, uh, the the teachings that came to our land. The, seven sins and all that uh us guys were born on the land you know me i was born i can only speak my story this is my story to share with all of you because i came the chief now and so when we we tell our story and we we don't sit down we stand above to let creators see that we're here to tell the story. Nowadays, I, you know, when I get to the center of the circle at Orvos, then I can tell it more. Uh, but today, I want to share this with you. And there's no judgment, condemnation, nothing like that. I have to be uh, honest about my walk. And after I had set, accepted all responsibility of my bad that I did in the following, 
I too followed down the road, you know, away from all these sacred objects, away from everything. The elders asked me to speak too, to tell our story, so for all the men, the women don't have to hear nothing except because they're the sacred beings of our people. You know, all the men, even me, I learned that. Washitu uh, way of control and all that. It's not our way. We don't own nothing, never have. So me, I had to leave all that. I had come back to my sacred self over here. Our sacred spirits over here. It's not a following over here, you know. And I know that for a fact, because I asked for their help. I mean, their, their, their creator to come and help me one time, but so today I want to share this with you. I'm not adversarial to you or anyone. First of all, my name is Leon Charger. And Lakota, my name is Tatanka Awichak, who brings back Buffalo. The name that I earned, every one of us has to earn these. Each one of us. This is my third headdress right now. I made this myself for to show you uh, the world who I really am. This is my medicine, buffalo. I came from this nation, born on the land. And on Bill Horn's land, that's my mom's dad. Well, that's our land out there. All of us that were born there, you know, anybody that wasn't born there, they have no business there. So now I'm going to tell you why the story is the way it happened. The truth has to come out so all the English-minded people that are tearing our ceremonies apart, leaving out our language. You can't fool the spirits. That's why nobody's healing. Everybody's coagulated in English to tear each other down, even the sacred ones. They're all sacred. We're all sacred beings, too. Nobody's higher or lower. It's just that us that were born at home. Our first language is Lakota. Sanzar, for me, that's him. Chief Martin Charger. Take your tablet out and say it in the microphone. Chief Martin Charger. This will come up. So I want the lesson to be told to the world. That's why they asked me to put this on YouTube. You know, each one of these objects that you see on my wall have earned or were given to me. You know, one thing that people don't understand is these words create bad for our traditional walkers. Uh, those of us that are healing and left our bad following behind. You know, you have to know, hear the truth about me as to why I earned this headdresses. On this Wolokota side from my dad's side, I can't join nothing. I never have. I've never joined anything. 
Even when the draft came, I went to try, but they said, no, you can't be a part of us. <laughs> so I'm already a part of this, what they're talking about. 1862, when he saved the whites. So a lot of their own people are, are now easy. They call it jealousy, envy, everything from their worded world. They project on people. They project on us. They try to create it as if it's real. And it's not so. And so those of us that stand together to share with all of you their solution. You know, Einstein said that you can't find a, a you can't solve a problem with the same mindset, meaning that whole circle of language. You can't make nothing good out of it because it's a commerce language, you know, it's back and forth like tennis. So that's why you see all the elders sitting there stoic, their mouth shut. They don't want to answer because it's like a fish hook. They get pulled in there. That's how lateral violence starts. So I've been putting up with this all my life. I waited all this time to speak. I waited, you know, since 1968. I waited 54 years to share with you a solution, you know, of our treatment and everything. You know, my brother, he started Native American Rehabilitation of Northwest based on our, our ceremony. That's the only way it works is when the people come back to themselves. Then they walk out the door a re renewal being, a humane being, you know, on the seven sacred rites over here. So today I'm going to share with you uh, where I'm from. So first of all, you Google Chief Martin Charger, you'll see all of that come up. And look on the top list, you'll see Turkey Head. His wife is good ground woman. That is my great-great-grandfather too. And then below him is Martin Charger. And his wife is Eliza Whiteshirt. That's Chief Charger's wheel. And, uh, and then his son, excuse me, my dad's father is Harry Charger. His wife is Nellie Walks First Twist. Over here on this side, Martin Rufus Charger, his other grandmother is Nina Hart and Henry comes find them twist and then pain in the hip and then John Hard her good door woman okay and over here is on Harry Charger on my dad's side is standing bear that's my great grandfather and he's standing bears and then Spotted Eagle, that's who my daughter's named after. So this is my dad's lineage, the family tree of Martin Rufus Charger. That's my, this is his grandfather, put it that way. 
Okay? So this is our family tree. Martin Rufus Charger is my dad. He had four, four wives, four families. 13 boys, nine daughters. We have a big Chi Oshpai. That's why Orwell gave me this headdress. The headdress I had, uh, the second one. The first headdress I got, uh, I got gifted to me was because of my trial. You know, whoever came to me, creator guided them. So that first headdress, I left it with Orville. And then Orville, he took it to the culture center. At the same time, he gave me a red and blue one all the way across. He took both of them to our culture center and left them there. So at that time, I was supposed to go to Standing Rock to talk. But due to lateral violence of our own people, lateral word is violent. They create this gossip, bad words over here. So my GoFundMe, and I was on my way to bury my brother, my other brother, Melvin. Bury him on that year, but even my own relatives cut me down. So my GoFundMe got shut down because everybody says this. You're not our chief. You're not, you know. We hear that and we understand you. All of you that say that, you don't know who your tail end is either. We do, us chargers. I'm the head man of him now. I'll tell you why. There can never be chiefs that step before us, our grandkids, nephews. We come from a big family where all these kids came back from the city, all different races. And I had to talk with people. So we have to clear the ice for everybody, even their hatred of their self that project on our people. Even our own kind are like that. So today, I'm going to clear the ice for all of you, even the men. All of you men out there, you need to wake up. Our kids are disappearing. Everybody's grabbing into our circle because we're not like the buffalo no more. Nobody's in a big circle no more. I don't even see that with the movement. Nothing. Everybody's just about themselves to get on that camera and do something just to get graded by the Washichus. Over here, there's no men because there's already fighting in you. Lateral word is violence. There's nothing there. And a lot of blame. Blame has come to our land. A lot of blame and a lot of uh, accusation created by someone's emptiness inside that they can't fulfill. An ego, ego, E-G-O it's called, ego of the mind made. No, that mindset has to stop. Today, I'm going to share this healing with you from my great-grandfather. That's why in 2013, I, I got away from everybody. I left to go to Bear Butte to sit there. 
and contemplate everybody's situation, my pathway that I've been in. I hear a lot of good leaders that were give me advice in this world. A lot of them. I met a lot of people. And me as a walker of this land, walk, uh, walking, learning, and teaching, sharing with people, all the seven sins of that way have to be stopped. Jealousy, envy, everything that the man learned to do. I did that. I did that too. So that's why I stood up for my name when these accusations came. I used to sell good artwork, drums, everything, until this gossip ruined my business. Everything went down. And then in California, we got everything stolen from us, even our identification cards, me and my daughter. And so we lost out on our, our that part. <laughs> We're still ourselves, so we got everything back. And so what I have to tell the world is, I mean, no, I'm not adversarial to you or anyone. I'm only speaking what my grandfather and my teachings from him passed down orally from my dad, Lupus. All this enmeshment has to stop. None of you know us. You act like you're sitting in the same room. Talking with my dad when he's relaying the message of peace from him. All the Indians have to stop that because you weren't there with us. All of you, it's a sad way that you carry your walk. All the elders that I went to see, they said to tell the truth. You know, once the people hear this, the men will awaken. The men need to waken up. And all that barrier of fear and being taught what to do has to stop. You have to be yourself. So today, I want to share with you what it means to be sovereign. Because I've been sovereign all my life. I've never joined. I've never followed, except for the bad parts. <laughs> so today, I have to stand up for my own self and claim my bad, what accusation, everything. All the way, I have to claim it. That's why I got all my paperwork together. Everything. Took me a lot of time to get this folders together to show all of you proof. And so today, <clears throat> I have to share that with you because Orville, he gave me a headdress to speak at Standing Rock. Nobody believes or talks our ways no more. So the only time it seems like everybody's into it when the tourists come to our land or somebody outside ask you, do y'all want to be a themselves then and then when the people go then they turn back to something else so following everything else so today i mean no harm no nothing by these words i'm only relaying this message to share with you what it means to be sovereign meaning sovereign is from the, ch the chief this is the man that put Cheyenne River on the map by saving the Washitis. 
That's why all the yes gods, everybody don't want our story told. They don't honor our way because we're the first ones to help. And nowadays, everybody wants to be a fool soldier. Everybody's marrying white people. My dad said, we're not supposed to do that. You don't see Chief Charger with the Washicha Wea head. He's not standing there like that. You know? So today, by Chief Orville Looking Horse, that is the one who gave me the headdress. You earned the right to speak, he said. And, uh, it's your turn to stand up now. I just buried my last brother, Norman, on our list. I'm going to read to you. And so Orville said, no, no, there's nobody that can be a chief. You're the last one. So all these chargers of our people here that are on this list, the nephews, you heard it. You know, the, the, there's only one chief in our tree. Oshpaye, I'm going to say that slow. Tioshpaye, meaning our circle over there. You know, the Blackfeet, the Two Kettle, everybody's got a head man, a family. These are our family people. So nobody knows who they are today. So today is the day of reckoning for our men. So I will tell you that part because there's four things I need to say. And Clarify. I'm only clarifying, educating everything. And I'm gonna we're gonna organize the biggest meeting to honor uh the Wea Nation, especially to honor my mother, this woman who took me after death came in our family. You know when you see the owl come, that's when you know I did not make a good choice to jump out and you know the, the creator that's a time when your calling is coming so here's what happened the owl came when I was driving on the side doing all that and that owl came and everything bad started happening since then, all the way to my awakening. So your awakening comes when you come back to the circle, because all the people were waiting for you, but you avoided them staying over here, following everybody. So that's why Creator had to wake you up and take you back, they said. So the ego brought me home. I went on to ego. The buffalo came. Ben Brownwood put me on the hill. His brother Dale, he helped me with the van to get to Crow Dog, to the funeral over there. So all these helpers came in my life at once after I came out of this cloud of falling. <laughs> and I know as you can tell you, when you stand up for yourself, all the spiritual people come to help you. I know that. And after that, I will live a walk of prayer quietly you can't jump in everybody's business like everybody does to micromanage everybody they don't even look at the backyard of their own self so to find their own self they better stop following and look back see who they're related to so it took me that long to find 
I mean, to get back, not like long. I already know where I'm from, but I had to say goodbye to everything to get back to my sovereign self and then get on the internet, collect all these papers that prove who we are as Lakota. But you have your language, you already know who you are. And your bloodline that runs through your veins. That's the only one I know from him. So that's what runs from me to my daughter. You know, I've been born a full soldier on the land from my dad and my grandpa. Bill Horn and Gertie Hawkhorn brought me here too. She welcomed me. That's my name then. When I went to two trials, and I'm the only legal Indian, not bragging, but to say I won two trials against me. And that's why Orville gave me the headdress to standing up for my name. You know, so I have to say this to all of you people, the people. Today is the reckoning, awakening of all the men. I have to say this because everybody doesn't know what to do. So why should it a solution here? They don't even have a solution to their daily prayer. So I put together everything of the full soldier society that I had to build. I can't say that about our families ahead of me because it's not the oldest that knows the smartest thing. It's the youngest that grew up and watched everybody acculturate, assimilate, and turn around and attack you with those words because they got their paperwork hanging on the wall. Over here in our language, Orwell said, this is what we need restoration with. I wrote these books of, uh, to help the English-minded people to come back to our worded world in a good way. <clears throat> Me, I'm not smarter or nothing than anybody over here. But in life form over here, I put together programs for uh, drug and alcohol abuse. But it's in our spiritual ways to overcome the man-made uh, keeping you there. So today, I... I went away to learn all this. Now I'm retiring to move home. So today I say this to all our people, you know, this is our our family tree, okay? So let me go in sequence of our people. So my dad is Martin Rufus Charger. He was born in 1903. Okay, his first wife was Marcella Holybeard. From her came Harry Charger, Ori Harry Charger, my oldest brother. By the way, you know what? My dad, this is a true story. I have to share this because there's no way that any man can be chief unless me, one of these sober people that's in your family, and any of your family, if you got a lot of brothers, one of you has to sacrifice your life for the people, to Sundance, to do everything, to give everything away. Everything. I'm serious. All your money, too. So for my brother Harry, 
I even shaved my hair so he can live this life on our land that I was born in. We brought Harry in to do the Sundance on my land that I was born in. That's my grandpa's land, Bill Horn. So Harry, he didn't have land. He fought over land and he got charged with murder. So my dad got mad at him. You know, Harry left until my dad was gone. He came back and he lived along the highway, but he, he married a washiche. My dad said, we're not supposed to do that. That's against our ceremony. And a hochka period. So that's why me, I've never, uh, I'm married in the modern world, somebody over here in our circle. You know, it's, we're supposed to stay that way from the Lakota, Dakota, and Lakota people. So that's what we're supposed to stay into. We can't dwell into other tribes. And that's the part I hung on to all my life. I used to watch people do stuff against our ways. You know, being the 13th son, I have to, I had to hang on to our language. Everybody used to say stuff against me, but it's not so. If you look at it in reality, they're only saying it about themselves. Because they forgot their Lakota self and words. <laughs> so I went away to study this mindset over here, psychology psychology world of words, you know, why the our people get drugged into it and get emotionally set by it, you know, of following that. I mean, I'm not saying it's bad, you know, we all have our choices of uh, following. That's I hung on to mine since my dad taught me all these teachings of him. Like I say, I'm not no better, I'm just coming out in the world to share with you who I am and where I've been, and who I know, actually. So let me read this off. After, oh yeah, anyway, so after this, Harry was, uh, went to prison and got out. This is why I have to say this to all our grandkids, so all that generational trauma, lying, cheating, everything has to be pushed away. And everything has to be clear because none of our grandkids can't be chief. They don't even be experienced life. And they can't make the choices because uh, they're just kids. So when somebody jumps in the front of the bus themselves and tries to be the chief charger, you know, takes all the stuff to create for them, in a man-made world. Why? That's why you don't understand. Uh, you know, when you're going against our Lakota ways and values, you're doing that to yourself and your family. Over here, we're barely hanging on. You know, so everybody goes against Orbo because of the English world. I see none of you sitting in the sweat with us. I see none of you hooked up for four days to the tree like me. I'm always speaking to myself. I see none of you drag 18 buffalo skulls for all of the people that are institutions, prisons, 
hostels, you know, even the children. That's what I did for. And uh, the ones in the wheelchairs that couldn't be there. So everybody witnessed that of me. I have to say that because this is who I am. I can't hide or do anything. I was never hiding. By the way, I never left our reservation because I murdered somebody, you know, did the bad to somebody, all of that. People like to talk. So that's why they asked me to stand here today to tell you the truth of who I am in my walk. I haven't spoke to all this time, like I said. So now it's time to tell you our story. Okay, so Harry, to do, to go home to the happy hunting grounds to see our grandpa, a man has to do our seven rites. Sundance, you know, all of them. So Harry, I put him on our land to do that. But you see, all of our people know he did bad. Bad man club, see? That's why they didn't come to dance. Nobody from our reservation except me was hooked up to that tree for him. Everybody came to peek over the hill and say stuff, but they couldn't ever forgive, you know? None of them. I watched them say stuff against him, but I didn't want to say nothing because it ruins the prayer. The prayer is when a man does bad, bad man claws, one of his family has to stand up for him. And all of the family, especially, it's always the youngest one that was born of everything. You know, he heard everything from grandpa, grandma, raised that. My grandma is Dakota. She's from uh, Big Big Ben. She's from uh, down that way. So I, I know everything she taught me. We used to sit on the porch and she teach me stuff, tell me stuff. I hear everything. So today, it's the first time I'm talking to the world because I got a very important call and it's true. You know, it's a calling that people have to help our, our own people and awaken. You know, well, first of all, so Harry... He ran Sundance. He did our, all our seven rites. You know, that was him. But when somebody else from another country <laughs> sees that they want to have one of these, they want to be with that person, you know, that doesn't work for us because that energy is different. It's, it's to do that way. They divide people, that energy. For our fool soldiers, I want to say this to you, all of you, red dogs, everybody that's a full soldier. You need to make a headdress and come and stand with us at Orbos today. Come and come to Orbos and talk with us. We need to reunite. And then we have to honor the woman nation. This is not my, about me. 
It's about bringing all the races back together. Because everybody left on relocation, they all bringing back different races. So we have to put all the color aside, like I'm going to share with you of who I come from. And then you'll know why I don't discriminate <laughs> about color. Anyway, so today I'm going to share that with you. After Harry did all the Sundance and he's supposed to turn the ground over, this is what Orwell and I have done to allow a man like that, that, that did that to one of our own. So we did that. We let, we did it the, uh, for Harry. You know, our chief, he doesn't put marriage people together. He can't do that. And all of us elders that carry Chinupa know that. He's only the pipe carrier of our people. He's not a priest. He's not that. He can't marry somebody. You know, it would be so that if that happened, it has to be a, a brother to give that brother away. You know, it has to be a connection that it can't be just done by two people. But they do it outside of our circle, so it doesn't matter because inside of our circle, it's there. So, what's horrible? You know, I want to share that with you. After, you know, there's these phases I'm trying to go, but I'm so excited to tell the story to share this uh, gathering. So today I want to share that with you now. Okay, excuse me, go back to this uh, lineal. So here's who our, the mothers are and the children are. First one from Marcella Holy Bear were Harry Charger, Almer Charger, Rufus Charger, that's my brother. He started a Native American rehabilitation of the Northwest Rufus. Him and along with three other people. See, we don't take all this uh, helping as our own, our chargers. We never do. Anyway, so after Rufus comes Albina, Charger, Melvin Charger. This is who I was on my way to see in Minneapolis and to bring him back to our people. See him one last time and do a documentary. But even my own people turned against me, so the whole thing was shut down. So I didn't even get to make it back for the funeral. All this lateral created violence of words, you know, pushing people out of the <laughs> obituary, all that is not our way. So I'm the last brother, son here. And so his brother is Melvin, Alvin Charger. That's his twin. But he passed away then. Okay, and then from Alice Summers, wife number two. Alice Summers is Donovan Charger, Vernon James Charger, Norma Charger, you know, and Esther Charger Raincon. Those are from uh, Alice Summers. Okay, and the next set is Fidelia Garfield. My dad was married to third wife. It's Ethelene Charger. Charlene Charger, Gary Michael Charger, Spencer Charger, Adele Joyce Charger. Those are from uh, Adelia Garfield. 
That's the third set. <clears throat> the fourth wife is my mother. Her name is Nobia Horn. Her grandfather, her dad is Ian Hokshila Rockboy. Bill Horn over here uh, from our land. That's the land I was born on, his land, which I inherited all the land from, uh, Uncle Ellsworth. You know, when Uncle Ellsworth passed away, I inherited 250000 a quarter million of his money because he had a death. And I told the attorney, I said, no, I can't take it. I'll take the land, but I'm going to move home one day, so I'll take the land. But the 250000 I said, give it to all our people. And he did. That year, you know, and my, my brother Philip, everybody didn't even know I was quarter million dollar rich. But over the phone, I said, no, give it to everybody. I don't need it because, you know, I'm making a thousand a week here on construction. 25 weeks, I'll have all that. So, you please give it to everybody. And so he did. So that's another deed that why Orville gave me the headdress. Because then, uh, Oh, you live by those ways and give everything that's man-made to people. And especially at Thanksgiving and Christmas, when that check came, everybody got, the grandkids got something from that uncle, that great-grandpa, you know, everywhere. You guys don't know, but I'm already great-great-grandfather myself. It's already in our lineage as being born. Anyway, from Zenobia Horn, comes Ronald Charger, who, did, who, by the way, received all my father, Martin Rufus Charger's land. My older brother, he got all that from him. And so after him comes Norman Charger, who I just buried. You know, my brother Ronnie, when he worked for the BIA, a lot of people bullied him. I told him that, and I was she took that to don't pay attention to their that words. But he didn't listen. He was important for him to be important in the BIA and be that person. <laughs> I told him I, I, I wouldn't do that, you know, give up your over here. <laughs> but he did. And so everybody bullied him by making fun of him, all of that. And finally he took his own life. He hung himself because of all that washichi words, you know. So it's not about people, our young ones need help because this language is what everybody is uh, verbally abusing their little ones. They don't even get a chance to grow up. So they're being oppressed by these words being held down. So we have to change all that. We have to make a peacemaker society of all the men. The men have to come to conclusion within. If they can keep breathing or holding it in. Either way, we have to heal the men so the protector-provider situation can come back. This is what I said to Mark Claymore and all of you. I'm no better than you. I just held on to my language all this time of Chief Charger's teachings. And I want to share that with you. So all of you who shed blood with me, and each Sundance I've been to all over the world, the country, come to Orville's 
uh, circle. You have to uh, represent your family. You know, it's it's very simple to come back to our life and to leave the man-made behind and crawl into Nikaga and clean up your life and tell Creator what you did. Or go sit on a hill and look down before you step down because uh, that's the next walk of your life. So for you, those of you who don't know me, Nigo Butte, you know, I've been adopted by a lot of elders. You know, a lot of elders took me as their son. Even people that judge, you know, they don't see that the women have that woe, woe, uh, the women part over here of caring. They still have that. So when they see me with my baby raising her, you know, I lost our house, I think, at that time in Cherry Creek. So I had my baby living with me, my car. I never told nobody. So when this lady, her name was uh, Condon, you know, she took me as her son and she let me live in the back room. It was in the wintertime. You know, Julianne Condon, she was the most strongest woman I know in that way, in our way, because she didn't care. She was worried about the little one. <laughs> So you could sit, you know, she claimed me as her own. So every day I would go sell my stuff, you know, go make money because I don't work on the man side. I work on the Wolochota side. I make everything, bone arrows, you name it, the whole works. But I make that because all the people that use bows, they do that. Us guys, I just carry a quiver with my stuff. So today I want to share this with you, all of you men. You know, I stood up for, I earned that right. I'm the only legal one. You don't believe me, ask Orville. Ask them. Those are the two people I believe in. You know, that's why I left, because after what Paula said. Paula is a woman that I, I believe has been sent there to help us. You know, so a lot of people gripe. And I look because they can't speak to Orville. But Paula is there to balance out the situation because, you know, that's the way we're supposed to do it today. So today I want to say that to Wopala for all this teaching. You know, I want to say another thing. You know, my here's my last family of me. Ronald Charger, Norm Charger, myself, Linda Charger, Clarice Charger. That's my sister. We're all born on our land out there. And so, I want to share this of my mother. <clears throat> so my mother's Zenobia Rachel Horn. Her dad is William Horn. His dad is Rattling Rib, Lewis Horn. His other one, the grandfather, is Jacob Rattling Rib. Hannah, she gets out, is her great grandmother. 
Over here, it's Emma whistling Alf whistle. Lewis rattling rip. And so on this side, it's her, her, her mother is Gertrude Hawk. His grandfather, her grandfather is Chaz Hawk. Annie Howe, a pretty woman, is her uh, grandma. And so for all of you who don't think I'm legitimate, from Rufus, states that right here. Certificate of live birth. It says, uh, Zeba County, born at home. My dad was a laborer. He helped all the people around the country. You know, he was everything. And so it says that my grandma, maternal grandmother, delivered me. And it says blood test, data blood test, 425-61 is when my dad took the test. I was born on the 27th. It said legitimate, yes. I was 8 pounds, 11 and a half ounces. And my mom carried me for 40 weeks. <laughs> so today I have to share with you all this stuff that's going to happen. And let you know that you're all included. It's not just about me. You know, it's about all of you guys. Okay, so on my mom's side, my mom was married to Ashley Tuhawk from Ashley Oscar Tuhawk from Lower Brew. But when he came here, He came with his children. Those are my half-sisters. My dad, Rufus, he built that house that I was born in. So Oscar, he let Oscar, you know, everybody, it was just like a community there on my grandpa's land. So everybody moved into that community there. I always remember the buildings around our house. And so from Oscar, Came Darlene Two Hawks, Marion Two Hawks, Peter Two Hawk, <clears throat> Wayne Two Hawk. Those four live with us out in the country, out there. And Martin Charger, that's my dad. You know, he he took everybody in. Now the fool soldier does. He kept our relatives, even though they're from Lord Brew. <clears throat> they stayed with us, you know, so the sons, they still had their dad till he passed away. My dad was not jealous, envy, nothing like that. That's why he had four wives. He couldn't, he told me this. You can't carry nobody else's stuff. And I choose, don't ever do that. <laughs> Walk away before they start uh, doing that to you. So that's why I learned that from my dad, but I followed this way anyway, because he was all gone. <laughs> anyway, so from my grandma and grandpa, this is her, my grandma's Gertie Hawk. She was born in 1902. My grandpa was born in 1892. <laughs> and so, this is what I say my grand, my grandma and grandpa's kids were William Horn, David Horn, Andrew Horn, Annette Horn, Abraham Horn, Moses Horn, Pearl Horn, Ellsworth Horn. Ellsworth W. Horn is who I inherited all the land from. 
because he was my grandmother's grandpa's only child, you know, he got everything. So that's how he was, because he didn't follow the ways. Well, she took the edge of himself. He kept in her language, he kept everything. You know, so he, I was the last one to sing him home at Rapid City Journal before he passed away. So Ellsworth Horn is who I inherited all that from. And so Ellsworth's brother was Andrew Horn, who was married to June Middleton. Okay, from that marriage came uh, Justin Horn, Mary Al Goodlow, Catherine Horn, Donita Horn, Anita Horn, Luella Horn, Lewis Horn. But Donita was adopted by uh, my grandma and grandpa. <laughs> okay. And so my grandpa's name, his paternal grandfather was Louis Rattling Rim. His paternal grandmother is Emma Whistling Elk. And my grandmother, maternal grandmother of him is, my mom is Pretty Woman, also known as Annie Howe or Annie Hawk from Lord Brew. So all of this is our family tree. So today, I'm sharing this with you because it has to be out in the open now. And now is a time of unity for our people. You know, I haven't been out in the open since the longest walk. I haven't been in the open since we were called by Wounded Knee to White Shaman to help them. You know, I went, I went all over to help the people. And then we were called to... Seattle, when they, they shot the man, John T. Williams, I was there too. So everywhere I went, I helped the people. So our people, they need to know what the things I did instead of what people are saying. You know, I met a lot of beautiful people in this world that have our ways. They, they walk with compassion. They walk with all our ways to take, uh, keep the people together. And uh, one of the things I'm calling on now is all the men to come together. You know, you all call yourself warriors. I didn't get to make it to Standing Rock because I don't have no money. I didn't have nothing. I'm raising my little one. And I have TANF. But today I got my letter and they cut me off of TANF and everything, which is okay. Because what I'm doing here is I'm moving back to my land. You know, this organization I started for my grandfather, about my dad said, you know, I made my brother the chief. Because of the bad he did, I want to show the world what a brother does to a brother's love to the eldest one who didn't listen to our, elder, uh, our, our dad. So it's not about the oldest, by the way, it's the youngest who's seen everything, climbing up the steps, growing up, watching everybody leave us behind. So it's nothing bad. It's just our ways that we follow. You know, everybody, don't, don't project your stuff on our path. If you have a comment, make a good one. But that reflects on you as a humane being, not an oppressed, not a 
repressed person carrying that anger. You need to go on the hill and, and come and join us and leave that bad at the gate. So today, I'm, I'm sharing this with you after I left Pierre boarding school. Because we were taken, you know, from our, right from our country over there. So after my brother got out of Vietnam, 1968, my dad said that, yeah, don't talk no more. Watch everybody, even your brothers, because you're the littlest. You're the smallest one. He said, I'm going to sit here, he said, and tell you about This is what he did to help the Washitus. He saved the women and children, he said. And nowadays, he said, when you get older, everybody's going to come to that sense to help their family, he said. After that, they're going to learn these teachings from Charger of uh, our full soldier society and all the people. You know, so when they have that thinking of dividing and taking that charger name, making it their own, it's not so. You ask Orville, I'm the head man now. None of you speak our language. You just read everything to repeat it. You weren't born in it like us. So I'm not saying I'm no better. It's just that our way of solution is we know everything over here works. <laughs> it's not coagulated and doesn't uh, do all that, you know, that's, that teaching. But over here, the solution is prayer. You know, the open solution is unity. And to put the, if there is a problem, to talk it out, to pray it out with the Chanupa. To get your mind together in ceremony and make a good decision of a life-affirming choice, not just acting up, acting and following over here, you know. I've done that too much. That's why I had to step away from everybody. And everybody that I walk from, they projected their bad on me, still trying to keep it there, but I can't accept it no more. I know Misha I cleaned myself off. <clears throat> the day I left Orville Sundance, Orville came on that third day and he smudged me down. Him, and now you He cleaned me off with his fan. You know, that day I was leaving. Now he knew I was coming into the world to get ready to tell our story. You know, I want to say this to our men, and you have to come and get and look in the mirror. Everybody made me the worst of us chargers, and which I am, because I didn't follow. That doesn't mean I'm the bad one. And I've been holding on. <laughs> I've been holding on to this language of these teachings all my life. But I was alone now. Now I'm really alone because my brother was the last one. And we buried my half-sister over here. Uh, my Oscar's daughter, Marion. We buried her. So all of that, you know, over there is... <laughs> it's a healing. 
You know, after Theda Travers, she took me as her son, and she took my daughter as, and we took my took my uh, sister Marlene as her daughter. Uh, she made her the director of the Women's Halfway. She made me the liaison between the prisoners coming out of prison and onto the rest. You know, the list that we see of people. Me, as a helper, I can't judge people coming home ever. I can't do that because that is not a wall of khutab ways. We have to help them to reframe their mindset. To awaken them. If you don't believe me, ask Tyrone Littlehawk. He was my boss. But that's what I did to help everybody. But when you sign that contract to come out of the prison, and you, the man, messed up. You have to go back. You have to take all the tests, everything. You have to do it because you signed that paper. So a lot of people blamed me for that because that's the, nobody wants that kind of job because you have to go by the book. So I'm saying that to everybody. Whatever you heard, I had a good job. But I quit it because all the gossip, the bullying. So I said, yeah, I'm going back to prison to finish my time. So I did. I turned myself back in. And when I got to Pier, nobody was there at the office. So I went to my niece, Janice Ashley's. And, and here, he made it seem bad because they had to throw me down. I mean, do all that. <laughs> Arrest me again over there. But it didn't matter because I know that's the system. That way, a person. That way, a person is. It's not the system, by the way. It's the way the person is in that system. It's always an individual that doesn't want to do peacemaking or find a solution. So there's no coagulation of inner uh, solution, you know. So I say that. I learned these words now to share with you what you guys are missing. That way you can awaken instead of leaving the res. Because everything is there on the res that you need. It's just that everybody has to leave all this jealousy, envy, you know, everybody that did stuff to me, I forgave you. Even in school, even whoever did something to my little one, you know, I forgave all of you because that's how I am. But you have to come to the circle to bring yourself to go get cleaned up. Go bring your Chanupa to Orbo. All of you, I'm asking you that in a good way to come to be yourself again. In 2010, when Orbo was going through everything bad, nobody helped him. Not even our own people, because everybody coagulates with this worded world. And so they don't know what to do, because they didn't, been taught nothing from behind. Nothing to walk. There's no Lakota spirit to tell them, especially from our Buffalo Nation, you know. So they don't know how to find a solution, but pick up everybody's 
lateral violence words like a football and keep throwing them around, trying to defect somebody's character, you know. Somebody that's a born chief, somebody that's already head man in their spiritual walk, guts back to their walk. A lot of these non-natives and minded, set people, they gather all this and write about him, write about somebody. This bullying on the internet, everywhere. It doesn't bother us full bloods because because when he came in the lodge, when you get in our home, <laughs> nothing can be there. So that's what we are sharing with everybody. 